You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. <laughs> I know. Was he any good, I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country. This is The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy. PD. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy PD. This weather has been crazy. Rainy, humid, hot, cool. It doesn't change. Next thing you know, we'll have our tsunami. We might have some more air pollution issues like we had a couple weeks ago with the Canadian wildfires. Could be coming again to us just to ruin 4th of July weekend. Absolutely. It's been crazy. It's supposed to rain throughout the weekend all the way from Sunday to Monday, and it might clear up for Tuesday the 4th of July. I think last year, 4th of July, it was raining a little bit, and then it cleared up during the day. So we got a chance to see a little bit of fire works, but this year again, I will be DJing throughout the 4th of July. So enjoy, ladies and gentlemen, as I will enjoy playing music and making sure everybody's having a good time at their party. But we're going to have a party tonight, because a little bit later in the show, we will be talking to Dallas Cowboy, long snapper, Trent Sieg. Yes, their new long snapper, as he was spending his career, very nice, sunny, Oakland, and then moving to Vegas. So he was spending his time with a little bit of John Gruden, and then a little bit of Shakespeare himself, Joshua McDaniel. And now he's heading over there to the Cowgirls. Trent is a really, really nice guy, and we're going to have a lot of fun with him. So if you're a Cowboy fan, and you want to get to know Trent Sieg, and you want to know what he thinks about the Cowboys this year, and maybe the Giants, and everybody in the league, tune in a little bit later in the show. He is fantastic. And we're looking forward to getting him on. MLB News. Max Scherzer says he's willing to waive his no-trade clause. Ooh-wee. He can waive his underwear. This guy's 7-2 with a 3.95 ERA and a 1.175 whip. And he's making $43 million a year. And he's ranked 40th in starting pitching in the major league. So if he wants to waive his no-trade clause, waive it. So they could push you the hell out of here. Steve Cohen. Owen says both Billy Epler and Buck Showalter's jobs are safe. If you're a Met fan, the only thing that should be safe is the boogeyman under your bed. This should not make you happy if you're a Met fan. Steve likes to open up his pockets, and if he wants to throw it out there for more players, $1.3 billion, let's put another billion on it. Maybe it'll help them get into the playoffs next year. Domingo Herman throws a perfect game, the 24th in Major League history to do so. And for all those people attacking this guy because he had some rosin on on his fingers and he was suspended and he deserved it he just threw a perfect game in Oakland enjoy it ladies and gentlemen because I don't think you're going to see that for the rest of the year Josh Donaldson's frustrated I'm not surprised the guy can't hit a beach ball maybe he just needs the Mets to pitch to him maybe he'll start hitting there you go or the Oakland Athletics oh I forgot he couldn't hit against them either frustrated about being benched by Aaron Boone and maybe Booney is about to boon him out of here Josh Donaldson stinks NBA News the 76ers 
Sixers, and James Harden will seek a trade partner, and the Knicks and Clippers express interest. If the Knicks want him, and the Knicks don't have to throw away pieces, this could be a pretty good deal for the Knicks. But again, James Harden's 34 years old, and he's a ball hog. The Nets re-sign Cam Johnson, trade Joe Harris to the Pistons. Well, the Pistons have a three-point shooter until the season starts when he misses everything. Congratulations to the Pistons on landing another overpriced three-point shooter in the NBA. Kyrie Irving, Chris Middleton, and Draymond Green sign new deals to return to their teams. Who cares if Draymond Green's going back to Golden State? Who cares if Chris Middleton is going back to Milwaukee? Who the hell cares if Kyrie Irving's going back to Dallas? Good luck, Luka. The Jets will be on Hard Knocks. So for all you Jet fans out there and you want to see Aaron Rodgers, if you want to get to know A-Rod, watch Hard Knocks. It's one of my favorite shows, so I'm looking forward to seeing my team on Hard Knocks this year. Josh Jacobs and Dalvin Cook seeking significant contracts, and the Jets are one of the teams that are interested in one of these players. NHL News, the Islanders trade Josh Bailey. So for all the Islander fans were crying about, Josh Bailey who scored seven goals last year. Who cares? Going to the Blackhawks. Maybe he plays on the first line with Connor Bedard. It's reversed Andrew Ladd. Devils signed Timo Meyer to an eight-year worth about $8.5 million per year. And a little bit later, we'll have Paolo and Johnny Boy for Moneyline Mania. So let's get into it. Max Scherzer. Oh my God. Let's cry. MLB.com Mets reporter Anthony Tacoma reports that Max, a.k.a. pain in the butt Scherzer, is willing to waive his no trade clause. Scherzer has a 3.95 ERA, a 1.17 whip, and he has 76 strikeouts this season. Scherzer has already been suspended for a sticky substance violation and also complaining about the pitch clock earlier this season. Scherzer's contract is worth about $43.3 million this season and is unlikely to opt out of his player option next season. Am I surprised about that? Scherzer waived his no-trade clause in his contract with the Nationals in order to go to the Dodgers two years ago. I am not surprised Max Scherzer is possibly going to waive his no-trade clause. He doesn't want to be on this Mets team anymore. He knows the Mets are going nowhere. They stand and one of the reasons why they stink is him. I don't care if he's 7-2. and two. The guy stinks. You're paying a guy $43 million a year. He's the highest paid pitcher in baseball. And he's ranked 40th in all major league starting pitching. This is a guy every single analyst throughout the country, when the Mets landed Max Scherzer, they said they had the two best pitchers in baseball. Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. How many games did both of those guys play last year? Around 30 together. If even. They couldn't stay healthy. And now you have, I feel bad for him, Jacob DeGrom, who has a UCL tear again. He's going to be out for at least a year and a half. Maybe two. He just got a big contract from Texas. I'm not going to feel sad for him. He'll get a ring if the Rangers win a World Series this year. He's got a nice, beautiful farm in Texas, and he doesn't have to deal with the New York fans. So congratulations to Jacob DeGrom. The New York Mets pitching staff, when you have old-timers playing like it was old-timers day, it doesn't work. Justin Verlander, since he's come here, 2-4. What's his ERA? 4. He's horrible. His whip is higher than it's ever been in the last four years. It tells me one thing. Steve Cohen is willing to open up his pockets. Steve Cohen is willing to go after the best players he possibly can get. But are they Mets? 
do they fit here in New York? Are they young enough or good enough to still play in a very hard ballpark? It is not easy to play in New York. Look at how many pitchers have pitched here in New York for the Yankees. Sonny Gray being one of them. Sonny Gray was traded for a ton of prospects from the Oakland Athletics. The Yankees brought him to New York, and he sucked. He goes to Cincinnati. He goes to an All-Star game. Everywhere he's gone so far since he's left the Yankees, he's been a top 15 pitcher again. It's not easy to play here. That's just one. There are a ton. It doesn't work. I'm not saying Max Scherzer can't pitch in New York. Max Scherzer is a shell of himself. He is not the Max Scherzer where he was winning Cy Young after Cy Young for the Nationals. And I said that last year when the Mets signed him. And again, the difference is Max Scherzer still pitched that well when he was healthy in the second half of the season. And he had a 2.88 ERA. This year, he's pitching like a third starter. You're not paying a third starter $43 million. Justin Verlander is pitching like a third starter. You're not giving that guy $43 million. And Steve Cohen has to realize that the wave of the game is going towards younger pitching, especially with these rule changes now. You talked about it. Max Scherzer's already gotten a sticky substance violation, and he had trouble adjusting to the pitch clock right away. And a lot of veteran pitchers so far this year has had those issues. It's a lot of the in-your-prime or young 30-type pitchers that have actually succeeded like the year, like you were saying with Sonny Gray, who's had a great year with the Twins this year. The Mets made a big mistake with that kind of approach, doubling down on Scherzer and Verlander. And one Katana. Who hasn't even pitched yet this year. And Carrasco. Carrasco, <laughs> it was, they were kind of stuck with an untradeable contract, which I thought was a bargain at the time when he added him with the Lindor deal, and he's been an absolute flop for them, too, with injuries. And as a result, it's worn out their bullpen. Outside of David Robertson and Brooks Raley, nobody else has pitched consistently well in this bullpen this year either because their starters have the least amount of starts that go six innings, which is a sad sight for a team that has veteran pitchers. Billy Epler says there is no indications of whether the Mets will be buyers or sellers yet, but mention they badly need pitching. Duh. All the Mets fans, he's very close with Otani. We have a good chance. Give me a break. Why would Otani want to come to the Mets. Why would Otani solve depth? <laughs> you have a big problem with depth as it is, even if they had all these stars. He's closer to home out West. Out West for the Angels. The Angels are a borderline playoff team right now. Right. The Mets are not making the playoffs as of right now. The Mets lineup is horrible. The Angels lineup still has a guy named Mike Trout in it. He could go to the Dodgers. He could go to San Francisco. That's a playoff team. He could go to any one of those West teams. Why would he come to New York and play for a crappy Met team right now? That's interesting. You said the Giants, too, after striking out at Aaron Judge and Carlos Correa. Maybe Otani's the saving grace, especially to steal him from the Dodgers. Epler also mentioned that he is standing by Buck despite criticism from the fans. Steve Cohen also gave a nice press conference and took responsibility for this team's terrible play. And he pretty much said that Epler and Showalter are safe. If you want to sell to the Met fans, being almost half the season, to be under 500, this is bad. And it cannot get any better than this. The way this team is playing. When you see Francisco Lindor at the end of the game, when the press is talking to him, and he is looking at the cameras and smiling when I wouldn't be smiling, and saying, I don't like losing, and I don't like the way I'm playing, but this is what happens when teams are in a slump. How about this? You have the largest cap when it comes to players in the league. By like $80 million. (laughs) You have a bigger cap than the Yankees. And the Dodgers, and the Red Sox, and the Padres, 
and you're going to sit here and say, we're just not playing well, but there's still a lot of baseball left. You have teams right now, the Marlins, where their cap right now is bottom five, probably. (laughs) They're in second place in your division and playing way better baseball than you are. You have the Atlanta Braves who give them bargain contracts. Go ask Acuna, who's making $100 million for seven years. And probably is going to win an MVP. How are the Mets going to compete with that team for the next three or four years when they're young, they're talented? It's because the Braves are a well-oiled machine and the Mets are just a flashy team that likes to throw money around. The Mets are doing a lot of the same things we've seen the Knicks do in the past, the Rangers do in the past. And whenever the Yankees started doing this, it didn't work. It only worked in 2009. Now the Yankees are trying to look to bring in their own prospects, their own talent. And they have some of those guys. As Aaron Judge got an extension, he is a homegrown player. He's one of the better players in the league. Luis Savarino. You see the Yankees trying to bring up players and develop these players. It's not easy to do. But the Mets, they decided to start the season with Beatty in the minors when he was the best hitter all spring training. Alvarez, too, has been really poorly run, too. You bring him up right at the end of the season last year, not even just as a September call-up, and then you don't call up at the start of this year. He's the hottest hitter in the month of May, and then they go cold for a little bit. Makes no sense. Domingo Herman threw the 24th perfect game in Major League history against the Athletics the other night. This was the first game Herman pitched since his uncle passed away early in the week. This was the fourth perfect game in Yankee history and the first since David Wells in 1998. Herman was only the second pitcher in Major League history with an ERA over five to pitch a perfect game. This was the first perfect game since Felix Hernandez, August 15th, 2012. That is about 11 years. We haven't seen a perfect game. It is not easy to pitch a perfect game. And I know everybody thinks that the Oakland Athletics are a triple-A team. And they probably are. It's still not easy to pitch a perfect game. It is very hard to do that. You cannot walk anybody. You could practically strike somebody out or they're going to get out either a ground out or a pop out. 27 up, 27 down. You want to say he cheated? I don't want to hear it. Because every single inning, the guy had his fingers looked at. I'm sure Mark Kotze was going over there to the umpires and saying, check his fingers, check his hat, check his neck, check his balls. I know there were posts on social media and Twitter, pictures of him in the dugout with his hands in his pants. And everybody thinks that he was hiding it in his pants. It is ridiculous. There's no way to belittle this perfect game because it's 24 in Major League history. Like we said, the first time in 11 years. There were three in that one season, oddly enough. And then we've also seen so many managers nowadays pull pitchers that have perfect games and they don't even get the shot to do it because of the way that you have to manage bullpens now. So that's how hard of a feat it is as it is. Yes, they're playing the athlete. The worst team in baseball. It's still a very hard thing to do. And yes, it's a big pitcher's ballpark. It doesn't mean a pit can't dunk right in front of an outfielder. It's a big park. You have to rely on your fielders, which the Yankees have had some issues with infield defense at certain points this year. There's a lot of factors that go into a perfect game. And another Yankee that's been crying the blues. Josh Donaldson marched into Aaron Boone's office on Sunday after being benched three games in a row. Ooh, play me. I want to play. Yeah, you stink. If I was Aaron Boone right now, what I'd be telling Josh Donaldson is, ride the bench. You stink. You can retire. You could be our third base coach next year. Donaldson spoke to the media and denied having a riff with Boone. 
Donaldson is hitting 125 with six home runs and eight RBIs. Oh my God. This is a third baseman worth $20 million a year. He is horrible, man. These baseball players make a lot of money. I'm not going to criticize what they get paid. They earned it. They got to the big show. They've been here a long time. And Josh Donaldson at one point was an MVP. He was one of the top five players in the league for about three or four years. What happened to him? I have no idea. I remember a lot of people that have come here, a.k.a. Chuck Knobloch, who was one of the best defensive second basemen in all of baseball. He comes to New York and he has the yips. Where he was throwing the ball over the first baseman. He couldn't throw it to the second baseman. And he threw it over the pitcher. It is ridiculous. That this man would actually go into his manager's office before he goes and talks to the press and complains about playing time. For anybody that's tacking the Yankees because they're not hitting because Aaron Judge has been out of the lineup, one player can help a lineup. It doesn't change one. One player was not going to elevate so many bad batting averages right now. Josh Donaldson is the worst of it. Rizzo's been horrible. John Carlos Stanton's under 200 right now, too, which he was hot when he came back, and then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened to him. Anthony Volpe, I think, finally got back over 200, but it took him a while. You could elevate those guys a little bit with Aaron Judge, maybe 10, 20 batting average points. But guys are still hitting 230 and then right on the Mendoza line. And what makes the Yankees so amazing, even though the Yankees are probably one of the worst hitting teams in baseball, there's still nine games over 500. That's how good the Yankees are. Because if the Yankees right now were in AL Central, they would probably be in first place. That's how good the American League East is. Besides the Boston Red Sox, every single team in AL East is over 500. And over 500 of about six games. So why aren't the Yankees playing good baseball? They're playing good baseball. Even with their hitting problems. They have the best bullpen in baseball. And it's not even close. Their pitching staff. They haven't seen Carlos Rodon one time this year. The guy that they spent over $100 million for in the offseason. The power lefty. One of the better pitchers in baseball. He hasn't even pitched. And there's still nine games over 500. That's what happens when you have a good management system when it comes to Brian Cashman. That's another thing. Still, to this day, the way the Yankees are not hitting, they're blaming Brian Cashman. Hey, Yankee fans, want the Mets to trade you Billy Epler back? Oh, I don't want Billy (laughs) Epler. Don't wish Brian Cashman out. You're going to sell. You're better off without Brian Cashman. Shame on you, because when they do decide to part ways with him, that could set the Yankees back for at least... 10 years. Hey, Steve Cohen, you want to spend money on an old man? Go spend money on Brian Cashman if he's let go by the Yankees. That's what I would do. If I was an owner of a team right now and somehow the Yankees are stupid enough to let go of this guy, I would be pouncing on Brian Cashman. I don't understand Yankee fans believing that baseball is moving past him. He is one every single year. Yes, he's not winning championships. It's not easy to win championships. You have had over a 500 record for over 30 some odd years. There is no team in professional sports that's ever gone on a run like that. And to sit here and say, well, we're not winning championships and that's what we do. Give me a break, guys. What do you expect? The Yankees to win a championship every other year? It doesn't happen like that. You have a winning organization. You have a winning team. And their cap is not even the highest in baseball. And it hasn't been for the last two seasons. More than that. The Dodgers used to have it for a while, too. I don't understand why anybody's complaining about that. They're winning without having the highest salary cap in baseball. 
And that says one thing. The Yankees and the organization is changing. And they're still finding a way to win. So, Josh Donaldson, sit down. Go cry the blues to your mom. Stop it with this. The guy is hitting 125. I don't want to see him playing third base. I don't want to see him up. And I want to see one of these youngsters. I want to see guys filling in for Josh Donaldson. Some of these guys like Bauer, who looks like can actually hit the ball. Volpe, Pereza. One of these guys. I'd rather see them shift over to third base and see what they have and watch Josh Donaldson hit a baseball. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, little NBA, as the 76ers and James Harden will be seeking a trade. Will it be the Knicks? I'm going to tell you why it could be a good thing, and I could tell you why it could be a very bad thing when we come back here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. They're live. You miss any of the shows, Apple Podcasts, 1.7 now, Million downloads. Check us out. And you can listen to us live on Wednesday, the Sports Loudmouth at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Tune in as we have great guests, great content, crazy callers. Listen to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network throughout the week. Worldwide Sports Radio.com. I'm driving down the streets and then you see these signs. And we see these signs all over Long Island. New York sports. New York basketball. New York is hard on Harden. I don't know if I've seen any signs of that. But if I did, I'm not going to get hard for Harden. That's for sure. James Harden is 34 years old. He's entering his 15th year in the NBA. He averaged 21 points last year. Six rebounds and 10 assists, which he led the league. Had a 44.1 field goal percentage because he goes to the hole and gets fouled a million times. And he had a 38.5% three-point percentage. And he's a pretty good free throw shooter at 86%. He decided to opt into his player option. $35.6 million with the 76ers. But now the organization believes that James Harden does not belong here. Obviously with a new coach and nurse... Maybe Embiid doesn't want him there anymore. Maybe they want to move Maxi as the second option and see what they can get for a 34-year-old, big, bearded, pain in the rear end. But I know another New York team that have been heard to be in the mix for the James Harden sweepstakes, and that is the New York Knicks. And that's why in the beginning of this monologue, I said we've seen a lot of signs of New York Knicks basketball and all over New York and Long Island, but nothing I'm getting hard for Harden because if anybody posts that up on social media, I'm going to get sick. Now, if the Knicks could get James Harden for Emmanuel quickly and a couple of draft picks, I'd do it. If the Knicks could get James Harden for a guy like Julius Randle straight up, I would do it. Obi Toppin and a couple of first-round draft picks, I would do it. Besides any of those three moves, you'd be crazy to bring him in here in New York and extend him if you have to give up a significant amount of pieces. You finally have built this team around youth. You finally found a player in free agency that finally turned into a star. And by the way, he did it in New York. And now you're going to bring a clown like James Harden in who loves to go to strip clubs, loves to party, and 
has been said to want to go back to Houston because he loves the party life over there. Other distractions, too. Yeah, he likes to hang out with the Kardashians. Yeah, barking at fans. Selling playoff tickets for the Brooklyn Nets because the Nets can't sell out things, but that's another issue. But there's so many other issues that come with James Harden that it's just not worth that kind of baggage for the New York Knicks. Like you're saying, if you trade Julius Randle for him, fine. Julius Randle's inefficient, bad in the playoffs. James Harden inefficient, bad in the playoffs. You want to swap the two because James Harden has better scoring prowess? Fine. If you have a lineup of Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, who got better in the playoffs with his efficiency later in that postseason against the Cavs, against the Heat. Still, you're going to have a very inefficient lineup of shooting guards, guys that like to score a lot. And James Harden has been really bad in the playoffs. There were certain games in the Celtics series he shot under 30%. That is inexcusable. To go along with the fact that he's the biggest usage rate guy in the league the last four years, Tom Thibodeau has a problem with wearing players out as it is. That's not going to bode well for James Harden. And Tom Thibodeau likes players who like to play defense. You know who doesn't play defense? James Harden. There's a lot of problems for the Knicks if they go after him. There's a lot of other problems if they went after him and it's not just James Harden. How does this work? Is he coming off the bench? Is he the number two option? If you bring him in with Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, is he going to accept that? Is he going to accept coming off the bench again as a six man, which he hasn't done since OKC? I don't think so. And that's why it doesn't work here. Now, I understand the Knicks are trying to find another offensive player because they just couldn't score against the Miami Heat. What makes them think by bringing this guy in that he is going to help them score in the playoffs against the Miami Heat? It's not going to happen. And I know Nick fans, they're looking for that other player. And there were stories coming out that there was a secret possible move to send Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks because he was hanging out at a Met game with a bunch of executives from the Knicks and his father and his girlfriend and Stephen A. Smith. I don't think it's going to happen, right? In two years, he's a free agent. He will be 29 years old. I promise Nick fans, when he becomes a free agent, he will not resign with Cleveland. I guarantee you. He will be a Nick in two years. He's wanted to be a Nick. He grew up a Nick fan. He is from here. He's from this area. He wants to come back here. The Knicks tried to make a move for him in the offseason. They couldn't trade R.J. Barrett because they extended him. And that was, I believe, Danny Ainge's fault. Danny Ainge was holding this trade up. And the Knicks were waiting for Danny to accept R.J. Barrett. He wouldn't do it right away. And then they re-signed him because Leon Rose gave him an option And he had a certain amount of time to make a decision. He didn't make a decision, and he signed R.J. Barrett. And he did the same for Mitchell Robinson. Right now, the Knicks could trade R.J. Barrett, but why would they? R.J. Barrett, he's 23 years old. He's still very young. For all those fans that can't stand R.J. Barrett and says R.J. Barrett is a waste of space, R.J. Barrett and Luka Doncic are the only players in NBA history with 4,000 points. 1,400 rebounds and 700 assists and 430 three-pointers made before turning the age of 23. Just think about this. In NBA history, R.J. Barrett is being compared to one of the best players in the league in Luka Doncic. Everybody keeps saying John Morant and Zion Williamson. They're the two best players in that draft class. John Morant hasn't done that. Zion Williamson didn't do that. But R.J. Barrett and Luka Doncic are the only two players to do that. But everybody hates R.J. Barrett. Everybody thinks he stinks. He's not a great shooter. We all know that. But we have seen players succeed in the NBA without being such great shooters. 
So for all those haters out there that think R.J. Barrett is a waste of space and he was a terrible pick by the New York Knicks, I absolutely believe R.J. Barrett, he could be a number two option in the NBA on any team if the Knicks give him a chance. Right now, it's Julius Randle. He's the number two option. Is he going to continue being the number two option? No. And maybe the Knicks think that RJ's better off being a number three option and still being probably one of the best three options in the league. I'm tired of people attacking this kid and saying that this kid is no good. He's a waste of space. It's not true. Those numbers are facts. Michael Jordan never did that. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar never did that. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, whoever you think is so special in your lifetime. R.J. Barrett and Luka Doncic are the only two players before the age of 23 to do that. That's crazy. It's an unbelievable statistic. The Nets re-sign Cam Johnson, trade Joe Harris. Joe Harris has been an absolute waste since they extended him. He has been a bust. He's been no good. They thought by bringing in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and spreading out this basketball presence on the court that Joe Harris would be a 15, 20-point scorer because he could shoot a ton of threes. Since he was brought in in his first two seasons, Joe Harris has been a shell of himself. He is not as good of a three-point shooter as everybody believes he is. Stats would tell you he's efficient. But how efficient? How many three-pointers does he shoot a game? I see more times than usual that this guy is never on the court, and when he is, he's missing. So I think this is a good move for the Nets. But again, what has the Nets done that has really stuck out to be good? They traded that idiot Kyrie Irving, who, by the way, signed his new contract with the Dallas Mavericks. Congratulations to the Dallas Mavericks. Getting an idiot player that thinks the earth is flat and he's an absolute anti-Semitic idiot. Welcome to the Rodeo Clown Show, Kyrie Irving. The Dallas Mavericks run by Mark Cuban. He realized that the Suns were not going to sit down with him because they had no interest. And he thought, hey, I'm going to go and play with my boy, Kevin Durant. They probably went over there to Kevin and said, we're not interviewing him. We have no interest in him, so stop it. Go on your four Twitter feeds and pretend that you're somebody else. It is absolutely ridiculous. And by the way, Mark Cuban, shame on you, man. If you think that this is going to work. This will push out your superstar player. Luka Doncic will want out on this team next season. Bet it. It's not going to work over there with Kyrie Irving. I wouldn't even be surprised if it's this trade deadline either at this point. If Kyrie Irving's toxicity that we saw in the beginning of last season comes into fruition in a weaker team with the Dallas Mavericks that has no depth and no draft picks except for the one that they shouldn't have had this year, yeah, good luck on keeping him even at the trade deadline this year if they fall off. Chris Middleton signs his new contract with Milwaukee. What does this tell me? Milwaukee probably got him on a team-friendly contract. They might be able to bring in another player, a veteran player. Chris Middleton is a shell of himself, too, ever since he's come back from his knee injury. Chris Middleton is starting to get up there in age. He's long, he's a pretty good defender, and he's a good shooter. And he looked probably the best being eliminated in that playoff series because Giannis was pushed outside the pocket, outside of the paint, which is his strength. Miami has done this. Boston has done this. Both teams have figured out how to beat Milwaukee. You keep Giannis on the outside and make him four shots, you're going to beat Milwaukee because they don't have enough depth. Milwaukee signing Chris Middleton is going to set them back for the next three or four years. I don't like this move. I think they should have let him go. If Chris Middleton went to another team, that is $27 million off 
the board. That means that they can wait. They could have started the season with the team that they have if there's nobody available and waited to the trade deadline and then make a move for a star, trade for a star, and then sign him. You have the money to sign another max player. You would tell Giannis that we believe we can win for the next two or three years. So Giannis doesn't try to say to the Milwaukee Bucks in the next year or two, this team's no good. They're getting older. We have no bench. And I want to win another championship, so it's not going to be here. Yeah, and again, we also don't know if any of those will come to fruition in the season, too. Like, it's not just the ones rumored right now this offseason that could be available. There could always be somebody else that comes out. What if the New Orleans Pelicans start to fall apart? Maybe Brandon Ingram becomes available, or C.J. McCollum. Or Zion Williamson. Which he's been available. Zach Levine with the Bulls has been available this offseason, who's a younger version of Chris Middleton and is a better attacking to the hoop. So you could go after him for uh, about the same price as what you just paid Chris Middleton. Three years, $102 million. You can get Levine on his contract right now. We had David Benz. Emmy Award winner on the Sports Lab Mouths this week. And he mentioned a name, and I would agree with him. Carl Anthony Towns is a guy that is going to be available, and I think he is available right now. I don't know what the Timberwolves are going to get for him, but I think he's weighed out his welcome over there in Minnesota. I think he's done what he can. How much better could he get? He's a good player. Is he an elite player? No, I don't think he's an elite player. And there are quite a few teams that are looking for size right now. And maybe by squeezing it, the Timberwolves knowing that they can get, I wouldn't say a haul, but a pretty decent package, I would move Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, there's definitely some teams in the Western Conference you could consider for that. I would look at the Grizzlies and the Kings. Even in the East, look at the Knicks. The Knicks have Mitchell Robinson, a guy that you can move over there to the Timberwolves. I know, obviously, they have another big man that they spent a lot of money for and a lot of draft stock for him. And, of course, we all know what a guy named Danny Ainge does to teams when he wants to rip people off. Draymond Green, who cares if he goes back to Golden State? I don't care if he signs a five-year deal worth about $500 million. The guy stinks. He's washed up. He's no good. He went back there because he got a team-friendly contract. He wants to win another title. He wants to play with his buddy and Steph and Clay. I don't think anybody was going to sign Draymond Green. Not for 25 a year, no. That's a pretty good deal for a guy like Draymond Green. In the NBA, that's a cheap contract. Draymond Green is a star. That's what he is. He's a name. He's a useful player when he's disciplined. The problem is, is he actually going to be disciplined? (laughs) And he's been an all-star. He's been one of the better... Inside players in the NBA, he is a name. So you would compare him to a star. He's not a superstar, but he's a star. So to get a star for $25 million is a good contract. But they're getting older. Hence the reason why Golden State's GM decided to step down this offseason. Because he realizes that the team is not getting any younger and they're not getting any better. They're getting older and things are going to start to fall apart. So he didn't want to be there to see it. He wants to be on the outskirts when he wants a new job. He can get his pick. And guess what younger player they might have to trade now because they signed Draymond. Andrew Wiggins might be on his way out, too. And I believe it, too. There's just so much to look at throughout this offseason and really define what's going to happen in the regular season. As we know, Chris Tapps was traded to the Celtics, and they got two first-round draft picks. I don't know how, from the Wizards. Made no sense. The Wizards don't make any sense. (laughs) And then Marcus Smart goes to the Grizzlies, and none of that stuff made sense. And the team that won was the Celtics, and got the better player. So look at the Celtics. It's not Danny Ainge doing it now. It's Brad Stevens. And that's what I hate about the Celtics, is they always find a way to make 
a good trade when it looked lousy turn into a championship trade that could turn them into being an elite team in the Eastern Conference again. So I'm sick. As a New York sports fan watching the Celtics just deliver trade after trade after trade and just win on every one of them. And it doesn't matter who's running the organization, just makes me sick. When we come back, we're going to have our guest. He is now the new long snapper for the Dallas, a.k.a. America's Team Cowboys. We're going to have him on the show. We've been waiting to get him on the show. And now he will be on the show. We will be talking to Dallas Cowboy long snapper, Trent Sieg. When we come back here on the Weekend Crunch. What about your friends when I stand alone and I punch you in the nose? That's right. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. I am not a singer, but I just sang you a song. It's not called What About Your Friends. It's What About Your Nose. You like that, Speedy? I'm sure that's what Rudy Gobert was thinking when he swung Uh, a punch. Maybe his nose is bent now. Anyways, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to The Weekend Crunch. My name is Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy Petey. Go to our website at WorldWideSportsRadio.com. You're listening to 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Check us out. Throughout the week on our network, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check us out throughout the week, the Sports Loudmouths with me and Speedy Petey on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Great show, great content, great guests. You name it, we are the Loudmouths. And we are loud tonight. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have another guy. He's not so loud, but he's interesting. On the show for the first time, and very happy to have him as we have the new long snapper for the Dallas Cowboys, our friend, Trent Sieg. Trent, what's up, man? Glad you guys were persistent in getting me on here because I <laughs> kept spacing it through the off-season program and everything. So I'm glad to finally be on here with y'all. Well, we're happy to have you on. And as you are now playing for the Dallas Cowboys, and you should be very happy because you got Dak. No more Zeke. Zeke is trying to look for a new team. I'll probably end up in Philly. They're just keeping adding everybody back <laughs> at I would not be surprised to see Zeke end up on a team here at some point. Back kind of with his pedigree, especially as injuries start going throughout the year, he'll end up in a good spot. I'm sure he is. I like Zeke. I followed him in Ohio State. I thought he was drafted a little too high, but I don't think any running back should be drafted in the top 10. But he's a fantastic talent, and the way he plays, if he could stay healthy, yeah, he's going to have a 1,000 yards. He's going to give you about five or six touchdowns, and he's going to do what you ask him to do because he's that type of player. But you started your career on Baltimore, went to Oakland, and then you had your opportunity to play in Vegas, which I'm sure you were excited to do. And you got to play with Derek Carr, who I respect, and he deserves all the accolades. I don't like the way Vegas treated him at the end of the season. What was it like? like to play for the Raiders it was really cool honestly so I'll just give y'all my background I grew up a Broncos fan I grew up in the Denver area so when I signed on with the Raiders I was like well this is a team I was kind of raised to hate got there first week they give me all my gear and everything and just all right I'm only wearing this in the facility like this is a job this is till I'm figuring out what's going on I mean you get around the guys and they're not as evil as they were all made out to be so definitely got entrenched in that culture and it was very historic franchise I remember walking around in Oakland in the practice facility they just have like pictures of like all the greats that had come through there and a lot of guys you didn't really realize or you don't think about every day but then you see all the pictures coming up it's kind of the same thing here in Dallas too like I've been kind of blessed to be with two really three very historic franchises I know the Ravens is a little bit younger team but they were still 
have a lot of success and a lot of good players too. Everywhere I've been, there's been a ton of history behind it. It's really cool to be a part of. With the Raiders, right on with John Gruden, when he first returned to the Raiders on that big contract, John Gruden, we yeah. know his personality as a coach and also as an announcer too. What was he like as a, your coach also off the field? I always had a good time with Gruden. I never really interacted a ton with him personally. Typically the long snapper is not the guy the head coach is spending a ton of time with. Kind of in passing, like talked to him. Very vibrant personality. And the way I always liked to describe him was he's essentially what you saw on TV, like that same personality. He's just a little bit more vulgar because he doesn't have to watch it for cameras. We are talking to Dallas Cowboys, new long snapper, Trent Sieg. By the way, congratulations on the birth of your son. He's adorable. You have a beautiful family and a very nice dog. He's a very good boy. You have two really good boys. So right. there you go. What is it like signing a contract with the Cowboys, being their long snapper this year, and having the opportunity to play for a historic franchise like that, get a chance to play with a guy like Dak Prescott, who I think gets attacked by everybody throughout social media, throughout the country, saying that he's not worth anything. Meanwhile, I think Dak Prescott's a lot better than people make him out to be. What are your thoughts to the team this year, and what are your thoughts of signing that contract with a historic organization like the Dallas Cowboys? It is a very exciting time to come in. Dak kind of gets a lot of heat for some things, but he's shown that he's one of the top quarterbacks and can do that, and God willing, he'll stay healthy this year, and he can really put up some numbers, and it is hard to find a quarterback that can do what he's been doing. I think sometimes teams start to forget that a little bit if you seem to get in a little bit of a rut as far as only making it to the first round or two of playoffs. My five going on six years, I've only made it to the playoffs one time. So it is really cool coming into a team that that's kind of the expectations coming in. And it's not like we're fighting and really trying to rebuild. It's okay, we're here. We have the guys, we have what we need, and we just got to try to push over the hump. A different mindset in the building, and it's cool to be a part of. So you as a long snapper, a lot of them with different teams have like different other roles too. I'm a Giants fan, and Zach Diossi was also a special teams linebacker in addition to him being a long snapper by Dallas. the way he hates the Cowboys <laughs> Dallas had a long time one too LC Alcador who was also an offensive lineman so do you have any other additional roles and what is like all the roles you do with um, a long snapper a lot of those guys that part of long snapping has kind of gone to the wayside it's just gotten to be such a specialized position even Zach Diossi he might have run down on kickoff a few times but yep. for the most part they're not trying to send the snapper out there to get hurt I remember coming in like even in college I wanted to play tight end and long snap and they really pushed me to just snap because the coordinator there is a guy doing tight end snapping and he broke his finger playing tight end and we couldn't punt the ball or kick field goals for the rest of the game. It's become a very specialized as punters and kickers have gotten better. They just want to give them every chance to succeed. We even saw just last year when Clark Harris got hurt for the Bengals week one and they had to find a way to get out of that game and the snapper came in and did what he could, but it's not really his job to do it. You're just trying to find a way out of that game it can definitely have a huge impact long story short i just long snap that story is long it is a long yeah. snap we are talking to dallas cowboy new long snapper trent sieg you go to the nfc now you were in the afc your whole career you're going to an nfc which over the years has been dominant and i honestly believe there might be two dominant teams at best in the nfc right now so the cowboys have a chance no doubt to be a wild card team maybe even win the division depending on the eagles you look at the nfc nothing scares there's no more Tom Brady. The Buccaneers don't look like they're going to be anything. The Panthers have a rookie quarterback. The Saints have your guy, Derek Carr, who I think could actually make noise this year. The Falcons, they're still very young. I know a lot of people think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't. The 49ers, they don't even know who their starting quarterback is. The Seahawks, they're probably going to be a lot better than people think this year because they were good last year. The Rams, Matthew Stafford coming back from a back injury. And the Cardinals, they're going to stink. The Vikings, they're not any good as the Giants completely tortured them in the playoffs. The Lions could be 
a team to be reckoned with. The Packers stink. And the Bears are a rebuilding team. And then in your division, the Eagles are good. The Giants, I don't think they made enough moves to really jump over anybody. And the Commanders stink. So it's really just the Eagles and the Cowboys, I believe, in your division that are going to be fighting. So what are your thoughts coming to the AFC where there's so many good young quarterbacks? It's so much talent. And now coming to the NFC where you have a chance to be a contender automatically going to the Cowboys. Really, this is more coming from some experience. Raiders, remember Devontae signed on, mm-hmm. made, made some big splash signing. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, Raiders, we're going to go to the Super Bowl just coming off a playoff year. And then like a lot of excitement when Daniels came in and then there was just a lot of turmoil throughout the season, not exactly playing the way we wanted to. And there's a reason we play the games. Everyone's in the NFL, like everyone's insane athletes and it was definitely a meat grinder in the AFC West between the Chiefs and and Chargers and coming to the NFC over the last few years has definitely shown there is a little bit more separation between a couple teams but things can change on a dime and even with the Giants as much as I hate to give them credit like what they start off six and oh or something six and one the Cowboys are their only loss on Monday Night Football yeah there's a lot that goes into it and it's all about how you adapt throughout the year and it really is a marathon and not a sprint just got to try to not buy into the hype too much going into it I didn't buy in the hype with Josh McDaniels because I know he was your coach. I knew there was going to be turmoil over there. He pushed out Derek Carr. It was despicable what he did to Derek Carr. I have been such a supporter for Derek Carr. I think he's a great quarterback. I think the fact that the fans practically turned on him, the farewell, I give him a lot of respect because he is a real NFL star in my eyes when you do that and you took all that stuff at the end of the season and just really was disrespected by the coaching staff over there. I am not a Josh McDaniels fan. Maybe because he comes from the Patriots and I'm a Jet fan. I did not understand that whole thing. I think Devontae Adams is special. I like Darren Waller. I think the Giants will enjoy him if he stays healthy. And I think you going to the Cowboys, it's interesting because I think the Cowboys are going to be a lot better than people think this year. So I certainly like to think so. I, I think you do too. You look at the NFL as a whole and you look at the transition I think it's not becoming lopsided there are teams that are great I think Kansas City is being blown out of proportion again this year I think they lost a lot of defensive players I don't know if they're going to be as good as everybody thinks they're going to be the Bengals could be good the Bills even though a lot of people have questions with the organization and the way the team is being run even the Jets with Aaron Rodgers what do you see in the AFC that springs out to you what you're talking about is what I was trying to say earlier every year things can kind of flip really fast and I think the NFL as far as the major sports leagues go it's the league that has the most parity like you don't have a dominant team coming in like golden state in their prime every year is like not a point in watching the season like golden state's going to be in the finals and it's just whoever happens to find their way there and that's the great part about football to me is there's just such competition every step of the way as far as transactions and everything go i don't really keep up with it kind of stay in my own lane if something happens on my team then i usually hear about Speedy, it i like dad. this guy you know why because he doesn't want to throw anybody under the bus he doesn't <laughs> right. want to get himself into trouble so i'm going to do it for you I will be the voice of Trent Sieg. I believe, as a football player, that... There is a lot of mediocre teams. The Bills, they're probably not as good as people think they are. Kansas City is not winning back-to-back championships. And the Bengals, who have been to back-to-back AFC championship games and went to a Super Bowl last year, are going to choke again. So congratulations uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars going to the Super Bowl. There you go. Jacksonville going to the Super Bowl. Trevor Lawrence seemed to really figure that out. So that's actually not Well, they just lost their offensive lineman for four games as he was suspended. Yeah. Cam Robinson, PED suspension. 
worry. Nobody got caught for gambling on that team. It seems to be taking the league by storm. Nine players now total. It's ridiculous. If you're not betting on your game, you should be allowed to bet. If it's legalized in this state, wherever you're playing, you should be allowed to bet. I am tired of this. The Pete Rose thing. They're throwing Pete Rose on the... This guy is one of the greatest baseball players of all time because he bet... Now, he shouldn't have bet on his team, but he bet his team to win, and he was the manager. What does it matter? He didn't bet against his team. He bet for the team. Pete Rose actually came in and spoke to us about gambling during an off-season program. There's definitely a lot of angst you can feel in there about just how the whole situation is going, but it definitely is a fine line, especially with how involved sports betting is getting with professional sports and it's everywhere now I, I remember growing up new jersey and nevada were the only two states you could sports bet and now it's just everywhere it's unbelievable i don't understand how players can't make a bet on a game if they're not playing in it as long as they're not playing in it and the fact yeah, that so they're suspending them it's so ridiculous. My, as far as from the nfl side of it i would agree with you but as far as like competitive advantage mm. with betting there is a lot of inside information that gotcha. players are privy to that the general public that they're betting against would not so are you one of those guys that believe that the game is fixed <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I have had some great conversations about this. I don't believe it is. If it is, nobody has told me, and I wish they would so that I can stop stressing every Sunday. <laughs> I wouldn't say fixed, but now you're going to make me say something that's going to give me a Go trouble. ahead. Throw us a curveball. You're Arian <laughs> Forster Jr. In games, I see some calls that are like, ah, well, it looks like they're trying to keep the game interesting so that fans keep watching. I don't think it's fixed. I think there are times where they try to keep the game from getting out of I'm going to throw you a curveball. I believe the Super Bowl is fixed. I watched the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots in that game. There was no way in hell they were coming back in that game. And then all these mistakes, all these crazy things happened. The defense, Atlanta just started to fall apart. It looked like they were out of breath in the fourth quarter. And then this miraculous comeback, the greatest comeback in NFL history. Tom Brady, the greatest, the GOAT, comes back from that. Give me it Sounds a like break. a true Jets fan talk. How about the whole Seattle Seahawks, New England Patriots game when they decided, hey, they have the best running back. They have beast mode and they decide on the three-yard line, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw the ball. And Malcolm Butler intercepts the ball. Game over. Patriots win another Super Bowl. There's something about the game that is just mind-boggling to me but i know you're not going to throw yourself under the bus it's okay we love you trent but i'm going to throw myself under the bus and i could care less what roger goodell has to say about me i'm not one of the guys that go to the presses and boo him because i'll just tell him to his face you stink he's making more money than you guys 50 million he has lifetime benefits for him and his family he's got his own damn jet you should be having that every single player should be getting he's in control of a lot more than i am though yeah well you know what (laughs) If you want me to run for commissioner, I will go and talk to all the owners. I will stand there and I will say, I will do just as good a job as Roger damn Goodell. And I will go out there and make sure the players love me. The fans love me. And I'll still get you the endorsements and get you your boost of contracts. So, Trent, just pitch me. Tell the players of the Cowboys. I have already talked to the Jets and the Giants. Pitch me and I will be the new commissioner. And I will help you guys grow this sport even deeper right now. There you go. Oh, thank you, Trent. You're going to endorse it for, Jer- for Jerry Jones? And Jerry Jones will get on board? <laughs> I need to get a little more of a name around the building before I start giving endorsements. Well, 
Jerry. Just remember, Jerry likes to throw everybody a bone, especially the press, when he was telling everybody on how he drafts and how the draft board is set up. I couldn't believe he went out there. His son was sitting right there and saying, Dad, stop doing that. See, at least he's not as bad as the Browns, though. The Browns drafted Jordan Cameron when they wanted to draft Cameron Jordan, so they drafted a tight end that didn't turn out to be anything when they could have had a potentially Hall of Fame pass rusher. Did they actually get that mixed up? Or yeah, they that... did. They wanted to draft Cameron Jordan. They wrote the wrong name on the court. Jordan Cameron was a tight end that was a second or third round value, and they ended up taking him late in the first round when they wanted to take Cameron Jordan. Okay, and the Saints took him at the end of the first round. It was the year they lost oh. against the Niners in that, I remember wild that playoff game. It was a year after that's that, right. and the Saints ended up with him somehow. I didn't realize that's how that happened. I think I'd heard the story, but I thought it was just like people like making a joke about it. Nope. File that under things that only happened to the Browns. The Browns' great draft history. We are talking to Dallas Cowboys' new long snapper, Trent Sieg. There is a player that I absolutely adore on your team. He's going to turn out to be a top two, maybe even the best wide receiver in football this year in C.D. Lamb. He had arguably the best year a Cowboy wide receiver has ever had, and you're talking about some of the greats. Michael Irvin being one of them has never had a season like last year. C.D. Lamb is a fantastic talent. Have you met C.D. Lamb yet, and what do you think of him this year going into the season? I've kind of more met him in passing so far. Our schedule is very regimented right now, and I was kind of more with the defense throughout our workouts. I'd agree. I'm super excited just to see how he plays in there after special teams is over and just watching practice. See, there's, he's one of those guys. He just has an air about him. There's certain guys that you can just tell there's something different, and he's the man. It'll be exciting to get to watch him up close and personal this year. You got another one in Cooks. Fast as hell, and they needed a second weapon. I think he's a type of guy that the Cowboys can move in the slot. They can move him on the outside. He's been with the Texans over the last couple of years, so I feel bad for him. But now he's playing with the Cowboys. I think he's going to be explosive. So what are your thoughts of Cooks as well joining the Cowboys? I think you really just hit the nail on the head with just his speed brings such a different dynamic to the game and just defenses. You have to worry about every play. You have to play differently. You have to soften up, have to give safety help over the top. So whether he's catching the ball or not, he's going to impact the game. So you mentioned you're in talks a lot with these defensive players too, and they got some personalities on that defense between Trayvon Diggs, who is a very big trash talking corner, Micah Parsons, who was having a little rivalry with some of the Eagles players. And Best fans. defensive lineman in the NFL. So any interesting personalities there? I'm still learning everyone. I've kind of more of the special teams defensive guys, I guess I should have said. Micah's not really out there on punt with me. I think Micah could play uh, linebacker. I think he could be a safety. I think he could be he, a corner. He could do anything. He's just one of those crazy athletes. Mm-hmm. He's unbelievable. I never thought he was going to be as good as he is. I remember when he was drafted and everybody was like, the Giants should have drafted him. He wanted to be a Cowboy. His parents wanted him to be a Cowboy. He gets picked by the Cowboys and he goes up on the stage and he says, Cowboy fans, you're going to see some mean green killing machine when I get on that field. And boy, oh boy, has he proven it the last two seasons. I remember I was with the Raiders and he dropped back in coverage and stuff too. He wasn't pass rushing every play and Derek after the game was just talking. He was like, every time I saw him back in coverage, I was just, thank goodness. One less thing to worry about. He's a monster. (laughs) Darren Waller, who also was with the Ravens like you were before he came to the Raiders. Were you in Baltimore at the same time as him? I was actually. We were there through training camp in the offseason program together. Talk about an amazing comeback story as pretty much everyone is. He's been super open about and helped a lot of people with everything he does, with speaking out about everything he went through with sobriety and everything. And he really puts his money where his mouth is too. has big charity events for it. And just, he's very involved. And it's just really cool to see where he's at mentally now being over the hump of all that. He's a really cool down to earth dude. You'll definitely enjoy him in New York. I'm not because I'm not a giant <laughs> fan. We are talking to Dallas Cowboys, new long snapper, Trent C. Going into the off season, were there any other teams that with your agent, have you heard that was interested in you? Were the Cowboys the only ones or were there other teams interested in you? There are a few teams in the talks. I'm not exactly sure mm-hmm. where it falls on what I'm allowed to 
saying what I'm not allowed to gotcha. say. Gotcha. So there are a few teams in the talks. And you're a cowboy. And Dallas ended up being the best one, so here we are. Money talks, baby. Jerry, open your wallet, man. Show me the money. And your draft board while you're at it. Cuban Gooding Jr. I have that as one of my rings, like when somebody calls me. Show me the money. And the Jerry Maguire. Yes, I love that movie. It's, it's one fantastic. of my favorites. Yes, it is fantastic. You got to watch it with your wife. It's a chick flick. It's a chick flick that it's easy to watch with, with all the sports in it. A hundred percent. I think I did watch it with her, actually. Well, there you go. Mm. Your thoughts to the league as a whole right now, the transition with the new rules, do you like them? Special teams, I've been pushing that the NFL should take it away because of concussions. Obviously, you would not have a job, so I don't want you to be mad at me here. What are your thoughts with the new rules? It'll be really interesting to see how it ends up. I know college-wise, they kind of turned it into pretty much just taking touchbacks whenever, but in the NFL, it gets schemed up a lot more. It's get a lot more than just your 15 minutes a day. Like college, you have a lot more time constraints. And in the NFL, special teams is how maybe 80% of the team makes their living. Unless you're like one of those guys like CD, you're playing special teams at some point and filling out the roster and it's the more you can do. So if special teams gets taken away, I could see rosters definitely being built very differently. They wouldn't have me playing. I don't want to do that. I um, want you to have a job. You got a family to feed. As far as kickoffs go, I think it just really depends on how aggressive the coaches want to be because what I can see potentially happening a lot more kickers trying to kick the ball on the ground and then trying to force people to return it that way. It'll be interesting. There's a lot of creative minds out there in the NFL. Interesting to see what everyone comes up with to try to just get away from giving the ball up at the 25. No coordinator wants to do that. The 2021 Raiders are a team that really overcame a lot of adversity throughout the year. So what was that season like, that playoff year? It was really long. Weird year, but as a whole, the team just came together an awful lot. And I think just through all that adversity, you you can kind of either let it tear you down and tear you apart or you can come closer and get better for it. And I'm glad the team did more of the second version there. Like, I think it was a very tight-knit group. Rudy resigned. Coach Passaccia, who was the special teams coordinator, stepped up into that head coach role. And he was a guy that just had a ton of respect among the players on the team and I think that went a long way and he came in you can't really say without a hitch but as much as it can be for your coach getting turned over especially after I think we were 3-0 and at the time to just come in like that and you never expect to lose your coach when you're 3-0 and it was a lot and then what went on with Henry was just awful one of those things that didn't really feel real one of the guys that you know in the locker room and always a great guy great teammate he wasn't ever someone that I would expect for something bad like that to happen but it just takes one bad choice and things can change and overcoming that. There's just a lot of turmoil. We all pulled it together and fought to make the playoffs for the first time. And 2016 it, was the last one before that, but before that, it was a long time. It was 2003. Like, it was they like went, six they went years. to the Super Bowl against mm-hmm. Tampa. Then you got screwed was, in the playoffs. You should have won that game. Derek Carr was absolutely right. I would have been pissed too. That was just an absolute horrific call. Cincinnati went all the way to the Super Bowl that year when who knows, maybe the Raiders go to the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, there were so many games that year that just could have gone either way and I think we hit five game winning field goals that mm-hmm. year that kind of just little grinded out grit thing and finally fell a little bit short in Cincinnati and it was a really special year after going through all that and just being such a big part of bringing the team back to the playoffs and personally being part of all those game winners and there's a lot of games where it's like okay well team won by 17 points that one field goal could have gone either way and it didn't really matter but to have it come down to the last play and just know that the coaches and the team they all have confidence in you and the special teams to come out and perform when it matters most it was really cool to be a part of. I'm sure that Chargers game you loved at the end of the season too, especially as a special <laughs> 
special teams guy, the Chargers decision to go for it on their own 25 yard line, costing them the game. Oh, <laughs> that going for it on fourth down, like I definitely see all the analytics and stuff on it where they're saying it can be good, but it can definitely come back to bite you if you mess up too. I am a big John Gruden fan and I have a shirt that says free Gruden. I still believe that he should have a coaching job over there with the Raiders. I saw he got brought into the Saints to help install the offense. I hope there. he does because he deserves it. I understand what was going on with those emails, but those emails should have not been let go. The fact that everything was pushed on him and Schneider was the bad guy. It was an absolute despicable thing the NFL did to him and I hope he wins a load of money and he gets what he deserves because I think John Gruden really changed the Raiders. He helped the Raiders transition to what they became and it's unfortunate what happened. But Trent, we didn't get you in trouble. Thank you for Hopefully. joining us, man. Really appreciate you. We're not going to get you in trouble. <laughs> I promise you. And we would love to get you on again. Maybe during the season, your one week break, we would love to see how you're doing with the Cowboys and what's going on with the Cowboys. Maybe you guys are on a seven or eight game winning streak. So That'd be great. We'll check by. We can be in contact. Absolutely. Good luck, man. Congratulations on the birth of your son and yeah, marriage and everything. And keep up the good work, man. I'm looking forward to watching you this year with the Cowboys. Thank you guys for having me on. It was fun. Trent Sieg, ladies and gentlemen. He agreed with us. He believes that players should be allowed to bet on sports, just not their own sports. He said he'd agree with me. I finally had a player and he didn't want me to throw him under the bus. I did not throw him under the bus. I didn't want to get him in trouble with the NFL or Roger Goodell. He was trying to be calm and collective, but I was trying to get information out of him. I just didn't want to hurt his feelings. I'm just kidding, Trent. Thank you for joining us. You're fantastic. Speedy, he was fantastic. Yeah, you're right. We don't want to get him in trouble with all these suspensions that have been going down for players being out for a full season or six games for all this, but he has some great insight on that, the inside information, and some great insight on so many things that happened with the Raiders, too, and now with his new team, the Dallas Cowboys. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into some NFL conversation. The New York Jets are the new team on HBO. I said it a couple of weeks ago. I knew something was brewing because there was no more Flight 23 on SNY, and it is a fact now, as the New York Football Jets will be heading to Hard Knocks on HBO. Josh Jacobs and Dalvin Cook are seeking significant contracts, and one of them could be on their way to New York, and it's not the Giants. When we come back, we will get into that here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speeder. Remember to listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check out the Worldwide Sports Radio website by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. Our show, The Sports Crazy Loudmouths with me and Speedy Petey. Live, you can call the shows. You can interact with us and listen to our fabulous guests by going to the Worldwide Sports Radio website, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Wednesdays at 7 p.m., Thursdays at 9 p.m. Great guests, great content, and crazy callers. And if you're a New York Jet fan, you should be very excited. You get the quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers, this offseason, it finally went through. You still don't have Quinn Williams. I don't know what's going on over there, but hopefully this negotiation will end because we all know what happened in 2010 when they were in hard knocks trying to renegotiate a deal with a guy named Darrell Rivas. But you should be very, very happy because it was just announced at the end of this week that the New York Jets, even though they don't want to be on it, as we heard Robert Sala come out and said that he doesn't want cameras in the locker room following us around and pissing us off. But now 
You're going to get something, Woody, that you always wanted. You want to be the center of attention in the NFL when you have one of the better teams and higher rated teams in the NFL, and now you got it. Because it was announced this past week that the New York football Jets gang green will be on hard knocks. I am excited because I want to see Aaron Rodgers in front of the camera. I want to see how he responds when a camera is following him around and asking him questions. Where he's center stage throughout the country. Where millions and millions of people are going to watch hard knocks really deeply because they don't know who Aaron Rodgers really is. He's been hiding for years. He played in Green Bay, one of the quietest places in the country. Cheesetown, the breweries, the Walmarts. That's where he hung out. He didn't want to hang out in front of the press or the cameras. He was quiet. And then he was hanging out in the darkness. With his ayahuasca. If you're a Jet fan, you should be very excited. I'm excited because I want to see all these young players. I want to see how HBO is going to be able to contain all this talent and deliver the content that you're going to want to see as a Jet fan, as a sports fan, as an NFL fan. Because there's a lot of good talent on this Jet team. And a lot of different personalities in Sauce and Garrett Wilson, Aaron Rodgers and Brees Hall. And maybe another running back that could very much be available to the New York Jets. NFL Network's Tom Pelissaro reports that Dalvin Cook has received multiple offers already and Cook is expecting a significant contract. Cook retweeted a report from former NFL executive Michael Lombardi claiming that Dalvin Cook will be a Patriot. Cook also retweeted a video from Jets tight end Tyler Conklin that he says... There's a room for you in New York. There have also been rumors that Cook wants to play with DeAndre Hopkins as well. The Bills and the Patriots are the only two teams that have been linked to DeAndre Hopkins. The Jets are not going to give Dalvin Cook a significant extension. If Dalvin Cook wants to play a year to prove himself, I could see the Jets giving him 10 or $11 million. They don't know if Brees Hall will play in week one. I believe he will. Robert Sala believes he will be. The guy is running at full speed without pads. He looks really good on the football field, as every writer has written that this kid is still very explosive after a knee injury of that significance. And we've seen guys like Adrian Peterson come back the way he did and has become the dominant force he was before he hurt himself. I am not worried about Brees Hall. I'm not worried about this running game because they have a quarterback that actually can throw the ball. If you can get Dalvin Cook on the cheap and Dalvin wants the player and you want to steal him from Miami or the Patriots just to shut those damn fans up, then do it. But don't try to dip into the cookie jar when you have not paid your big-time defensive lineman in Quinnen Williams. And also that money, $10, $11 million, that maybe Dalvin Cook would want, for the Jets' standpoint, might be better spent on a middle-of-the-field defense or some offensive line depth, just positions that'll help them more because they have enough running back depth as it is. Even if Brees Hall's not ready for week one, you still got a rookie you drafted in Israel. You still got a guy in Bam Knight that played very well last year. You still got Michael Carter. They have enough guys to be able to make it work. And that's 
to mention, you don't have to rely on running the ball. You have a guy named Aaron Rodgers. So you could have, for one week, a game plan of trying to throw the ball more. There's no need to spend that kind of money on Dalvin Cook. Yes, if you can get him for a reduced price, 4 or $5 million if nobody wants to sign him, fine, go after him. But to try to just steal him from the Dolphins or steal him from the Patriots or something like that, it doesn't seem like a move the Patriots would make anyway. But still, that just seems like petty and reckless to be able to do that kind of thing for that much money. If you can get him for cheaper, fine. But I don't think the Jets need to really do that right now. For anybody that was complaining and crying about the New York Jets with their depth, the guy everybody thought was going to be a star after he won Offensive Rookie of the Year has been the best player so far in minicamp OTAs, and that's Garrett Wilson. Every single rider that's been at camp says that he's by far the best player on the field. And that says a lot about what Garrett Wilson could be this year. Garrett Wilson could be a top three wide receiver with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball this year. He's that good. He's one of the best route runners already in the NFL. He had nobody throwing him the ball. He had three quarterbacks. All three of them are either retired or bench warmers right now on respectable teams. And he had over 1,000 yards. Just imagine what his numbers are going to be when Aaron Rodgers is throwing him the ball this year. For all the Jet fans out there, if there's anything to be excited for, and yes, Jeff Sauce, he's fantastic. And when they play one-on-one with each other, only turns them to want to play against the best because they are the best at their positions. And you look at the best in terms of key concepts, too. Sauce is the best physical corner, something that's required in today's game. Garrett Wilson is one of the best route runners already in just his second year in the NFL entering, and you need that in today's game. We've seen so many big-bodied receivers have trouble aging because they're not good route runners, and even just big-bodied receivers out of the draft not developed because they weren't good route runners. Look at Denzel Mims at the beginning of his career with the Jets. Like, he had trouble. Now he's on a contract year where he has to prove himself. And he will. I think Denzel Mims, if he gets playing time, and Aaron Rodgers is throwing in the ball. He is going to see an opportunity to succeed. And Aaron Rodgers makes everybody around him better. Look who he was throwing the ball to. He had this guy Dobbs, who let's see what he does this year with (laughs) Jordan Love. Jordan Love is not Aaron Rodgers. It's a different ball game when you have an elite quarterback, you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, and now you have a quarterback that's trying to fill in those shoes. Aaron Rodgers had to do it with Brett Favre, and now Jordan Love is going to have to do it for Aaron Rodgers. And we've had ex-Green Bay Packers that played with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Two out of the three has said that Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Brett Favre. So that just tells you what he is and what he stood for as a Green Bay Packer. Have fun, Jordan Love, when your best receiver is Christian Watson, who had a nice six-game sample last year, but still, that's your best receiver, and your next best, like you're saying, is probably Dobbs. Yikes. Good luck on that. Yeah. I don't know what any Green Bay Packer is looking forward to this year. Now, I like Jordan Love. I always liked him. I liked him when they moved up to get him, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a special player. This guy should have been the number one pick in his draft class. He fell. He fell all the way to 24 to the Green Bay Packers, where a lot of people believed he was going number one to his team that he grew up cheering for, the San Francisco 49ers. And now the team he can't beat. But he doesn't have to worry about that unless he could go into the Super Bowl now. Oh, Jets 49ers Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers versus the team he grew up with. And maybe Sam Darnold starting for the 49ers. And then Robert Sala. That would be a great Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan versus Robert Sala. And they know each other very very well and then like I said Sam Darnold versus Aaron Rodgers I mean that would be some I mean that's assuming Sam Darnold actually starts but it would be funny. He's going to win the job I'm not going to be surprised either because I think the Jets know they made a mistake for dropping him 
But now when you look at it, is it really that big of a mistake? You have Aaron Rodgers now as your quarterback. Yes, he's a 40-year-old quarterback, but I believe Aaron Rodgers has a good three years left in him. I don't think he'll play three years. I know he'll play two, but I believe he has at least three years in him if he wants to play. Our friend Fireman Ed thinks he will. I know Ed likes him. I know Ed likes to believe that he is going to play three years. I don't. I think Aaron, win or lose this year, he'll be back next year. Win or lose. If they win a Super Bowl this year, he'll still be back next year. But after next year, I think Aaron might part ways. And it gives them two years to try to develop Zach Wilson if they could. And if they can, they move on and look elsewhere for a quarterback. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see what the Jets are going to be on Hard Knocks. By the way, this whole Josh Jacobs thing, it's a shame what's going on with Josh Jacobs. Because I think he's the best running back right now in the NFL. He was the best running back in the NFL last year with an offensive line that wasn't really that good. For him to put up the numbers that he did and the Raiders don't want to pay him, I understand he's a running back just like Saquon Barkley. When he is about 40% or 50% of your offense and Adams is your other 50%. Pretty much. When you have a weapon like that and he is as good as he is, you extend him. And he's not old. He's 25. He has a good four years left in his legs. Remember, he missed a significant amount of time. So, honestly, he could have longer than that. I don't like Josh McDaniels. I don't like what he's doing to this kid. But I believe that if he gets let go or they decide to trade him, whoever gets him is going to have a beast of a man. We saw Buffalo decide to part ways with Marshawn Lynch. Mm -hmm. They traded him to Seattle, and look what he turned out to be. He became beast mode. He had that game. It was against the Saints when he had that run where he was just throwing people around. They became the Legion of Boom, and then they became a beast of an organization with Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch and that defense. And that secondary, especially the Cam Chancellors and Sherman and all those guys, Thomas, that team was filled with talent. I'm telling you right now, if the Raiders don't figure this out this coming season, he is going to be gone. He will go somewhere else, and he will succeed wherever he goes. Yeah, that's the other thing that makes the running back market tricky to decipher, too, because Josh Jacobs, I'm sure he wants to get paid that new contract. Saquon Barkley is the same battle to get paid that new contract, and both are in similar situations. And then you got somebody like Dalvin Cook, who we talked about earlier, that is trying to seek that significant contract when he's a little bit older, but not much older. And there's just not a lot of spots left. These teams are interested in Dalvin Cook, hypothetically. Jacobs might be the backup plan because they don't want to make a trade, or Saquon might be the backup plan. Who knows? But you have to feel bad for Jacobs going through that turmoil with Josh McDaniels, too, in this front office that really just doesn't like him. He's taking all these different shots at social media. We've heard Hunter Renfro do that. Darren Waller, who did the same thing, got traded. And his ego is just really starting to take over Josh McDaniels, and it's going to ruin this team. And Josh Jacobs might be not the first domino to fall, but maybe the last. When we come back, some money line mania with Johnny and Paolo here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LA News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website at WorldWideSportsRadio.com. If you miss any of our shows, go to Apple Podcasts, 1.7 million downloads. We have great shows and great content, or you can listen to us live throughout the media world. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of them. Tune in throughout the 
the week, including the Sports Lambouts, which airs every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Great guests, great content, and crazy callers. Listen to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network every single week. And these guys are on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. They're the best betting clan handicappers in the country. You are going to be listening to some Johnny and some Paulo. No Chaz tonight as we call this segment Moneyline Mania. This is Moneyline Mania with Chaz and the crew. Johnny, 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 Paolo, what's up, boys? What's up, everybody? We know Johnny here. Give me a follow, by the way, on, uh, on Twitter, at Reno underscore Johnny. We got some plays every day for you. Last week, we had another great week in soccer. Fetching again. So last week, with those Bolivian games, one of them came down to the end. They gods in live play. Basically, the bottom line was I went perfect again. So, so far, since I've been on your show, I'm 34-5 and five with my soccer Wow. And you saw what I did in the men's World Cup. Charles knows what I do at every tournament. And now the women's tournament is coming up. So that's going to be like amazing too. Because I haven't lost a tournament yet. The bottom line is that everybody wants the NFL and soccer. They don't ask me for anything else. You did well with our hockey and NBA plays. You're better than me in the NBA. What you picked, everything came out. I'm mostly motivated in the NFL and soccer. The NBA is good. I like the NBA. I like hockey too, but I'm more into those other two sports people don't want to put money on the nba but on soccer they'll bet amazing amounts and on the nfl too all right what do you got for this week well this week i got three nice plays i got one in argentina boca juniors last week they didn't do very well but boca juniors for some reason this year is not the same team that they used to be but this week i like them they're at 1.75 i like boca juniors to win my next play we go to mexico and i like the toluca game to go over two and a half goals and my last play is again on this game in the toluca game i like both teams to score those are my three plays this week slowly we're getting down to the women's world cup champions league and everything so basically it's another 20 days of just doing small leagues till we really hit the big time teams to watch in this women's world cup the women's world cup i think that spain might surprise i'm looking right now one thing that i've scratched out already i don't think the usa is going to win women's world cup i'm between mm. two teams one is trading at seven to one the other is trading at nine to one it's going to be a surprise team an outsider it's interesting because i didn't think they would actually win the last one i thought they lost a lot of veteran experience i liked a lot of the young players with pew and haran and those younger players that were in the midfield but i didn't know if they had enough veteran experience losing wambach but they still won it that year too but we'll see now with limited role for a lot of those veterans the last one i picked them to win it they're very good as we approach i'll tell you who's going to win the women's world cup and go to the final leaving a little cliffhanger i like it coming off a pretty decent week. We're actually number four for the year now on Vegas Insider, all plays considered, so we're doing pretty well. I have a couple of weeks, uh, lined up for you on Sunday. Let's start out in LA. One of the biggest teams in the market when it comes to trade deadline because you don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to trade or keep Shohei Otani? The Angels are doing just enough right now to keep him. I'm not competitive, but they're in all-competitive division. The Rangers are really good. The Astros are still the Astros. Then you have the Angels who are just above 500 mark, four or five games above 500 mark. You got Seattle 
he surprised team last year. Like, you got a really good division. Then you got open at the bottom. But I actually like the Diamondbacks in this matchup. Another surprise team coming in. They're going to have Zach Gallon, who's their ace. They got Merrill Kelly, who's been doing really well. Zach Gallon's been pitching lights out. I think they're a better team overall. They got a better offense. They out hit. They're on base. I think their slugging percentage is a little lower than, than the Angels. I think they're just a better team. I think they're bullpen better. They're playing on the road, which is actually weirdly conducive to their style of play because at Arizona is really hitter friendly. I'll take the Arizona back against the Los Angeles Angels in LA on Sunday to cap off that series. You're probably going to get around even money, maybe laying a little bit of boost. We'll take that. Other game we're going to go to is going to be Colorado. We're going to take the Colorado Rockies team total over. It's probably going to be a five and a half, six. I like it either way. Matt Manning is coming off a pretty decent start. Two run run over 5.2 innings. He only has three starts on the year. But again, all road starts in against Houston, Toronto, and Texas. The most hitter friendly park in all those has been Toronto. He allowed four. Colorado, double that. Even more hitter friendly. I think this Rockies offense, which by the way, this Rockies team is really bad. I can see that they got their fourth worst bullpen. Majors at 33 and 51, 18 games under 500. Their offense isn't that bad. They can hit and score eight runs off Friday. I just think they can do it again. Give me another six runs there. I like them kind of get over their team total. And we'll go to Chicago and Cleveland again. I would definitely look at weather reports. In this situation in Chicago, you really got to look at what's going on with the weather. If it's blowing out, you're kind of in trouble. But I like this game to go under the total. It's going to probably be about 7.5, 8, depending on how the weather shakes out on Sunday morning. Keep an eye out for that. If weather's kind of blowing in, give me the under. I know Jameson Tyon's terrible. In New York, got lucky. They unloaded that guy. Let him go find somebody else. He got paid with Chicago. I think New York really dodged the bullet. He's been absolutely terrible. He's allowed four earned runs or more in four, three of his four last starts. However, I think this Guardians offense is not good. If the wind blows in, they can limit that just a little bit. Bullpen shake up. They're kind of similar. Guardians have the second best bullpen in the majors. They can slow that down. But Aaron Savala has been really nice himself. Aaron Savala did get hit a little bit in the last start at 5-4. Milwaukee allowing four earned through six. However, the previous four starts, he allowed two or fewer. Or of the previous five, he allowed two or fewer. So I think this is a situation where we can get a little bit of runs. If the wind blows in, take the under in Chicago, Cleveland Guardians, and Chicago Cubs. That's what I got for you on Sunday. Let me ask you, what do you think one of my followers, I told him to put money on the Bengals to win the conference and the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl. 7-1. to one. I like the Bengals front seven. I like the Bengals receiving core. I question still a little bit their secondary. A lot of rookies and second-year safeties that they drafted the last two years. And their secondary depth with their corner position. Mike Hilton's a really good slot corner, but they don't have much beyond that. That one returning from an injury, a season-ending injury. So if they can solve those, they probably are the best team in the AFC. But still a lot to figure out. I have had doubts with their coach, too. Zach Taylor, I think sometimes in game, he's not great either. He has made some mistakes, costly mistakes down the line. And if you look at it, one thing in that division, that conference, there's really not a lot. Like the Jets, I've been really following and I've been seeing that money is flowing on the Jets slowly. People putting money. But people believe that the Jets are Cincinnati of the teams to beat the Bills, Kansas City not winning the Super Bowl. They're not winning the conference. The conference is going to be won either by the Bengals or the Jets. That's where I have for my plays on the Money Line Mania. I'll be back here for that's parlay on Wednesday. Give me a follow on Twitter at Reno underscore Johnny, J-O-N-N-Y. Thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. Awesome. I'll see you Money Line Mania, guys. Don't you love them? I was quiet. I didn't want to say anything. I want these guys to go back and forth. They gave you your winners. If I give you my winners... As long as I don't bet on it, 
I win. If I bet on it, I lose. So if you are listening to my picks, don't worry. If I give you my picks, I'm not betting on it. It gives you a better chance to win. So thank you to Paulo this week. Thank you to Johnny. More Moneyline Mania throughout the week. When we come back, a little hockey as the New York Islanders finally get rid of the Balster. You call him Bailey. I call him Bally because we need some bail money to get rid of this guy. <laughs> and now he's finally gone as he heads to Chicago to play with with Connor Bedard as we will get into a little bit of the NHL draft and New York Islanders hockey. Devils make a move and sign a player as a lot of moving chips. And yes, the Rangers got a pick as well. We'll see how he turns out to be. And besides hockey, Speedy, what do we got? Courage time! Here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crutch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports E-Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Sports Lamouts, which airs Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. with me and Speedy Petey. Check out all the different guests that we have on the network, and whatever you missed, go to Apple Podcasts, 1.7 million downloads. If you miss any of one of the shows you could check it out by date and by guest so definitely check us out the worldwide sports radio website by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com before we get into crunch time a little bit of hockey to get into i know a lot of hockey fans are out there and we are hockey fans as the new york islanders decided to finally part ways for 15 year veteran the lonely bail money yes Josh, a.k.a. Bell Money Bailey. He has been getting a lot of money from the Islanders and doing nothing to produce anything but getting pulled out of the lineup in the playoffs. The Islanders needed to get rid of his contract. They want to bring in some free agents. They need to bring in offensive players as this team didn't have any draft prospects that are going to be called up this offseason. So the New York Islanders traded Josh Bailey and a 2026 second round pick to the Blackhawks for future consideration. So we don't know what. It probably will be a pick, a late pick, fourth or fifth round pick. Bailey spent 15 seasons with the Islanders. is one of three players in franchise history to play 1,000 games. Bailey has 184 goals, 396 assists, and 580 points in his career. Bailey played 64 games last season and had 8 goals Ooh. and 17 assists. Bailey is entering his final season of a six-year $30 million extension. Bailey is set to make $3.75 million and has a $5 million cap hit this season. Here's what I'm going to say. It's very simple. Thank God Josh Bailey is gone. That's it. If you're an Islander fan, I understand that there might be Islander fans crying because he was a good old Islander. The guy's not going to the Hall of Fame. Please. <laughs> he had 184 goals in 15 seasons. If anybody thinks that's good, I want to throw up. Finally, a respectable Islander is going into the Hall of Fame, which I've been crying about for the last three years in Pierre Turgeon. He wasn't drafted by the Islanders. Bailey was. But he was an Islander. And a pretty good one when he was traded for Pat LaFontaine. And finally, the NHL is going to induct him into the Hall of Fame. I think it's a joke. It took the NHL, Gary Bettman, and the Hockey Hall of Fame to think about this. A guy that has 500 goals and 1,200 points in his career 
And he is not inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame is sickening. But nevertheless, finally, they're going to induct him into the Hockey Hall of Fame. So congratulations to Pierre Turchon. Josh Bailey is not going to the Hall of Fame, nor is he worth any penny of money that the Islanders have paid him. So Lou, helping him get his new contract, shame on you. And this team just needs to move forward. They need to find another offensive talent, maybe two. And this was a good move for the Islanders. And they gave up a second in 2026 to shed money. This is not going to hurt him. 2026 is three years from now. And by then, the Islanders could be good or done. And then they're going to have to rebuild. So maybe they have the number one pick, and it wouldn't even matter if they lose their second round pick. Now, the Islanders would never get that lucky in the lottery to get the number one pick again. You're probably right. They never were in the lottery to win. You want to know how many goals that averages out for Josh Bailey per year? 12.26. So not even close to a Hall of Famer. So anyone who wants to believe that, go on the coattails of Josh Bailey. Nice try. But nevertheless, yes, it's definitely a move to help out to get extra money. $5 million against the cap they could definitely use to get multiple offensive players. Maybe not both free agents. Maybe a free agent and a trade. They can consider that an option, too, because the Islanders need to get younger and they need to get faster. They were the oldest team in the NHL last year, average age of about 29. And all these other veteran guys that Garth Snow drafted for them and that's left on that contract, they might not be able to move. So they have to get guys to help them out with speed and just pace on the ice with the rest of that. I mentioned Michael Bunting, a free agent from the Toronto Maple Leafs, is a possibility. 27 years old, had a 30-goal season two years ago and 27 goals last year as a possibility. And you know Lou Lamoureux loves those Toronto Maple Leafs guys having previously worked there and you mentioned Vladimir Tarasenko as well now being cut by the Rangers that's a big possibility I don't think they're bringing him back now that Laviolette is now their head coach as far as the NHL draft congratulations to Connor Bedard we all knew that he was going number one congratulations to my guy Will Smith who went four to the San Jose Sharks great pick for San Jose they're going to get a nice player I was reading that Will Smith was going to fall out of the top 10, which I couldn't yeah, believe that, that. He went fourth, so I'm not surprised. Maybe somebody was trying to throw a curveball, so maybe somebody in the mid-teens were going to get Will. Buffalo Sabres, maybe? <laughs> I don't know, but Will's going to be a nice player in this league. I could see Will being a 40-goal scorer in this league. So it was a good draft. A lot of good players fell. This was a deep draft, and a lot of teams got better. I believe Connor will be a star. The question is, is he another Connor McDavid? I don't know, but the guy's got the hands of Alexander Ovechkin. If Alexander Ovechkin can score 50 goals in his career a year, every single year for 10 years straight, I think this kid could too. This kid's going to be the real deal. Toffoli goes to the New Jersey Devils. So many signs tell me that the New Jersey Devils are going to be the team to beat in the Metropolitan Division this year. And they gave Timo Meyer a contract, too, that was very affordable, 8. too. 8.5 million. 8.5. He was seeking, like, $10 million, and they got him for 8.5. And this is the benefit that you get when you pay players like Jack Hughes early. And Jack Hughes' contract is going to look like a bargain now that they signed him before he broke out. He had some injury issues last year that prevented him from having the season that he was on pace for, and now he had a fantastic season. He wasn't a Hart Trophy finalist, but if he didn't get hurt, he probably would have been. And now Timo Meyer gets the deal. Jesper Brack gets the deal. And they just trade for Tyler Toffoli as well from the Flames for practically nothing who scored 34 goals last season. This is going to be a very big team to reckon with if they can get any level of consistent goaltending. They're going to be dangerous, and a lot of these teams are going to get better. Dubois was traded. I don't think it's done. I don't think teams are done. Free agency opens up on July 1st. Things are going to happen pretty quick with the NHL, and then we're going to see a lot of these teams get ready for the season. The season's right around the corner. It it comes fast. October, just like the NBA season and football season. So everything's going to hit, and we're going to be very, very excited as the NFL, NHL, and NBA season is opening right around the corner. Speedy, are you ready? Yep, it is time for Crunch Time! It's time for Crunch Time! 
All right, we'll stay with the NHL draft to start. Buy or sell? Connor Bernard will score 30 or more goals in his rookie year. I buy it. I think the kid's the real deal. I don't care how old he is. The guy has amazing hands. I watched this kid, half the ice, call his corners and hit every single time the corners. This guy has got amazing vision. This guy's going to be a star. I absolutely believe he'll score 30 goals. I'm going to buy it. Yeah, I'm going to buy it, too. He's going to get a lot of time to possess the puck as well, too. And the Blackhawks are a team that still is going to be still pretty far behind. They're going to be better than they were last year. But teams are going to play down to them, too, and play their backup goalies against them, too. Which Don't forget to... about Taylor Hall in the lineup. Yes, Taylor Hall as well. All right, going over to the Blackhawks, too. So they'll definitely be better, but still they have a lot to improve on. That'll bedard more opportunities as well. So I definitely am going to buy. He gets over 30 goals. All right, buy or sell. The Yankees will buy out Josh Donaldson. Oh, I'm buying. It. I think they'll bury him, too, when they're done with him. So, yes, I buy it. I'm going to sell it. I think that's going to be very hard to still be able to take on that money. I think the $21 Yankees, million, they'll buy it out. I, I think the Yankees will still try to take on whatever penalties they do. I think the trade deadline, they'll still try to make the move. Brian Cashman, always good at making smart moves. I don't know if they're going to make the big flashy move this trade deadline when it comes to that. So, I think they'll keep him, maybe use him as a pinch hitter. I am going to sell that one. All right, buy or sell. James Harden will be traded to the New York Knicks. I'm going to sell it. I don't believe that's where he's going. I think eventually he'll go where he wants to go, and that's the Houston Rockets. I don't think the Knicks are willing to give up a ton of prospects when they have built this from the bottom to the top, so I'm going to sell it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it, too. I think the Clippers make a lot more sense. That was the other team that was interested in him. They're kind of stuck in the same position with a lot of these injury-prone max contracts with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. The Clippers, it makes sense for them to try to go all in for that kind of thing. The Knicks, they're building a nice foundation, so I think they'll stay away from that kind of thing. I am going to sell it. All right, buy or sell. Three out of these five running backs will be traded. Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon, and Derrick Henry. I'm going to sell it. I don't think three out of the five. Maybe two, but I don't think three, so I'm going to sell it. Yeah, it's a tricky market. I think Jacobs definitely will. I think the Raiders front office is very egotistical. Derrick Henry, I do think, will be traded. I don't think the Titans should trade him, but I do think he end up will be traded, but that's it. I think the Giants will end up mm-hmm. stuck with Saquon as so well. Like, I think Stock! They're going to be stuck with him for the money. They're not going to have a lot of cap space left. I think it's going to make it hard. The Giants, yeah, they're going to get him for the value that he's going to want, which make make him happy, but the Giants are not going to be able to get anywhere this season. Short term. Long term, we'll see if the Giants can make the right moves. But nevertheless, I am going to sell that one as well. All right, buy or sell. This is an interesting room for the Devils, too. Connor Hellebuck might be traded for the Winnipeg Jets. If that's not a trophy finalist, buy or sell. He'll be traded to the Devils. I'm going to sell it. I don't think they have enough, and I don't think they're willing to trade away some of the prospects that they have in the farm system. They're moving in the right direction, and their goaltending played very well last year. Why would they mess that up when they have all the weapons that they have right now? So I'm going to sell it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it, too. I think the Jets actually got good value back, I think, for Dubois, so I think they're still going to try to contend a little more, and I think Hellebuck is a good piece to be able to move. I think maybe later on, if they still have another bad year, they might consider it, but I don't think they're going to do it right away, so I am going to sell that. All right, buy or sell. Kyrie Irving will still be traded in a sign-in trade despite re-signing with the Mavericks. I'm going to sell it. There's no way he's going to be traded. To give him that kind of contract, and he's not worth that contract, by the way, giving him that kind of contract, they're stuck with him. And boy, oh boy, Mark Cuban is going to regret it. I am going to sell it. It doesn't make sense for the Suns to be able to do that kind of thing, and I don't know who else is going to want to take on Nobody Kyrie wants Irving him for that price They now. like his talent. They don't want his big mouth. Right. $40 million a year, too, is going to be very tough to take that kind of chance for any team. There's a lot of teams that are stuck, like we were saying, the 
Clippers, the Lakers, uh, LeBron. Maybe they try it one more time. But I just don't know if that kind of thing makes sense at this point for any of them. So I am going to sell that as well. All right, last one. Max Scherzer will be traded. I'm going to buy it. Why not? He's waving his no-trade clause. Sayonara to Maxi or Maxi Pig, because that's all he's been for the New York Mets. He soaks up the blood, and he tries to hide what's going on in the locker room. He has been a cancer ever since he decided to sign that big-time contract. He has been nothing good for the New York Mets, so I am going to buy it. I am going to sell that one. I just don't know if the market's there right now for that kind of thing. The Orioles might be a team that could be interested in him because they have that kind of money. But Arizona? Arizona's interesting. I don't know if they necessarily need the starting pitching as much, though. They have enough with their top three guys. They just called up a kid who's had a nice two months to start this year. I think the Arizona Diamondbacks need more bullpen help because they've had a lot of injuries with that. Here's another team, and don't count them out, the Rays. The Rays are interesting. It doesn't seem like a move they would make normally, but you're right. It it makes sense in theory. It's a one year, and if he opts into the contract, it's only one year. It's interesting to think because the Rays do have two starters that are currently hurt. Shane Boz and Tyler Glass now has had all kinds of injuries. Tyler Glass never stays out. Yeah, he's had all kinds of injury issues the last two years. So it makes a lot of sense for the Rays. I just don't know if it's a move they would necessarily make. I think they're going to trust their operations like they normally do. It's not Tyler Glass. It's Tyler Glass now. Well, he's made of glass. Either way, he hasn't been able to stay healthy, but I'm going to sell it. I think they're mental try to trade him, but I don't know if they're going to get the value they want. That's a cool name, you know? Tyler Glass now. He's still Glass. <laughs> now in the future, if the Rays want to get any hope in the postseason, they're going to have to hope he stays healthy. I believe he will be traded. Justin right. Verlander, eat your heart out. You stink. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show. Thank you to Dallas Cowboys new long snapper, Trent Sieg, for joining us. He was fantastic. Moneyline Mania, Paolo, and the great Johnny B. Bad. Johnny over there from Reno. We love Johnny as well. Happy 4th of July to all the people out there, all you Long Islanders, New Yorkers, and around the country, happy 4th of July from me and Speeder. It's been a wonderful year so far, and it's just speeding right past us, right in front of our eyes. But thank you to all the fans. Thank you to 103.9 FM. Thank you to Pat, John, Bruce, our producers out there from 103.9, Speedy Petey. Everybody, enjoy your 4th of July. Swim. If it's not raining, surf. Fireworks, just don't light them. Don't be Jason Pierre-Paul. Let the professionals do it. But we're very excited. Happy 4th of July, and we'll be back next week with new content and new guests. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Speedy Petey saying, Happy 4th of July. Good night.